0: It's Andy of the Card Guys with another episode of Cards in Conversation. Today, I've got a special guest, Jimmy. He is a nature aficionado based in BC. He's gone on some of the coolest hikes around all of BC and Alberta recently, and he's traveled pretty much everywhere to hike. So I wanted to get his perspective on the new environment that we're in, how how his hiking lifestyle has changed and any sort of advice he has for anybody out there looking to get back out into nature. So, Jimmy, how are you?
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Andy. Uh, good to be here. No, I'd be, uh, I'd be happy to share some uh, insights in what's going on out there and how COVID's affected me and all the things I'm doing to keep busy. But, uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm doing well so far, as good as it can get. Luckily, we live in beautiful uh, BC in Canada, so there's lots to do here. But uh, so far, so good.
0: Yeah, you look good. You look like you've been staying in shape, especially given the situation that we're in in lockdown and whatnot. Oh yeah, you
1: could could tell from shoulders up? I can tell, yeah. From the shoulders up, you you look
0: broad. You look like you've been working out. You've been (laughs) hitting all those shoulder presses, haven't you?
1: (laughs) That's all that matters when you're on webcam all day, right? Yeah,
0: shoulders and neck. That's all you got to do. No
1: more leg days for sure. (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: okay. Nobody sees below the waist anyway. Yeah, that's true. Um, All right, so let's talk about hiking. Let's, let's just go in general first. What has been your favorite hike so far that you've been on? Uh, in Canada or outside of Canada? Let's say in Canada, in BC, since we're talking about BC.
1: Uh, in BC, um, there's a pretty cool spot near Whistler that not many people know about that I'm apprehensive to share, um, but <laughs> it's called, it's called uh, Iceberg Lake. Okay. Um, and it's exactly how the name describes it. It is a lake that has an iceberg floating in the middle of it. Oh, um, That's cool. Is yeah, it year around of, the iceberg? No, it's usually around July, late July to end of August. There's a small window of when it, it uh, thaws. And then there's a pool of glacier water. And then there's chunks of iceberg that break off and then just float there. Uh, hmm. You can hike in. It takes about excuse me four hours to get in uh and then people usually go there have lunch take a dip if you dare uh take some photos and then make your way out but uh it's my favorite because i had no idea it existed in bc actually let alone canada we went to iceland two years ago and that was one of my most favorite scenes oh ah, it's actually my desktop wallpaper check it there out There you go there you yeah. go is that your oh. own picture you took that yeah um, nice so it's it's pretty cool because iceland's known for obviously ice and glaciers and stuff and it was one of the most epic things you see where icebergs break off of um the ice there and they uh they float in the water they make their way to the beach and then the ocean brings it back uh so it's pretty cool but to be able to hmm. see something like that in our own backyard uh was pretty amazing so that's that what i would say is my favorite
0: Okay. And then are you, is the water, I guess, fresh? Is that like spring water kind of fresh, oh, yeah. glacier water yeah. fresh? Yeah, no animal urine in those uh, waters. <laughs> and uh, did you try drinking it?
1: No, I did not. Oh. But I did, bring a beer, I did bring a beer with me
0: to crack. All right. Yeah. Speaking of beers, what are you drinking over there?
1: Um, an Alhambra.
0: Alhambra. All right. Yeah, it's like a cool Spanish beer that's nice, clean lager. Nice. I've yeah. got this uh, Steamworks Killer ah, Cucumber Ale. I haven't had that before. I'm a big fan of I haven't there. had it before either. Ah. But uh, it's like it's November now. I'm pretty sure this was supposed to be a summer beer. So Yeah. Um, we'll make do. Oh for sure. So hold on a sec. I'll cheers to you. Mm. So here you go. Cheers, brother. Cheers. Yeah, so and that is COVID, that's cucumbery.
1: Oh, I'm sure. It lives up to the name. Um, yeah, so with COVID, it's been quite interesting because we, me and my wife typically liked getting out into nature as uh, the best way to, one, stay fit and spend some time with the people that you want to get to know. Uh, mm-hmm. But the funny thing is I actually hated hiking uh, and being outdoors growing up and up until you know the first five years of our relationship. Uh, but it's something that she really loves doing and it was something that... I figured it was uh, not too intensive and didn't require a big fiscal investment. So I would go out there with her and I, I'll have to say it's way, it's for me to be chivalrous and, you know, make sure she's out, not out there hiking by herself amongst the bears <laughs> and cougars.
0: Right. So
1: that <laughs> so started as that. And then, you know, as life got more complicated, it was harder to corral friends together to pick up, you know, basketball games or meet up to play squash or tennis or various activities that I was used to doing. Um, this was the easiest way to coordinate and exercise without having to meet up with people. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, there's was, there was so much to see. And the best part, actually, is work uh, in my world gets more and more stressful throughout the year. cyclical. Uh, and this is a great way to disconnect. You know, you're out there in nature. It's like a feeling that people say about Zen. I think there's a, a term that Japanese use, uh, and I can't remember uh, what it is exactly, but a lot of downhill mountain bikers or skiers or, uh, you know, a lot of uh, people who chase these hardcore activities, they reach a moment where your brain stops thinking hmm. and you're focused on that one activity because naturally as humans, I don't know about you, Andy, but when I'm lying in bed, things will replay my day, right? Uh, how, how did work go? Um, you know, what's going on with our mortgage, you know, uh, bills and and relationships and, and weird conversations you've had in the day, and you're replaying them. It's hard to shut your brain off. So a lot of people chase these activities in order to get to that point. Um, and I find when I'm out in nature and hiking, I do replay work. I do go through things and it's actually nice. Cause when you have no cell phone reception, you actually get no um, interruptions, but after a certain distance, I'd say maybe around eight, 10 K, you kind of got nothing else to think about because you've been staring at trees the whole time. And you reach this point where you actually aren't thinking about anything. And it's almost like when you're driving and then the next thing you know, you've made it to your destination or you've made it to work because you've done it so many times. And mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a lapse in your memory where you're like, what the hell just happened? Um, and that moment's pretty cool. And you can actually achieve that. Uh, I find while, you know, while doing a hike, cause you know, when your heart's pumping, you're, you're climbing the Hills. Uh, You you can't think about much other than just the task at hand, which is just being out there
0: in nature. So anyway, that's kind of why I do it. That's awesome. No, that's a well way of saying it because what you were just saying about driving, I get that or I used to get that a lot when I had to drive longer distances to get to work or wherever it was I was going. And I used to like to write a lot. And sometimes when I'm thinking about plots and stories that I want to put into my books or whatever I'm working on, that's exactly what I do while I'm driving. I suddenly start thinking about the plot, start thinking about what's going to happen next, what the twist is going to be. And then suddenly I'm at wherever I'm supposed to be. And I feel that some of my best work comes from just, I guess we'll call it daydreaming, or uh, maybe there's a better word of saying it, but whatever the moment of Zen you were referring to, that's kind of it. The best part is in this scenario for you, the end result is
1: you get to work, boring, Versus when you're on a hike. <laughs> when you're on a hike, your end result is this epic view that's Instagram worthy, um, and you know you can you can just take a moment and, and take it all in. So you get the benefit of you know that Zen moment, let's call it, and then the end result, which is what everyone's like starting after, because mm. one you have to be relatively fit to be able to do it. Two, you have to be well-equipped, right? I wouldn't recommend being out in the trails in BC without, uh, you know, proper bear deterrent. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. always having additional layers in case it gets cold or if it rains, because we are in Vancouver. uh, Enough fluids. Like, there's all these things you have to do in order to get to that destination. So it's not as easy as just picking up, you know, and and heading out and, and just being able to get to these places. There's also a sense
0: of accomplishment. So, James, tell me more about the physical aspect about hiking. What are some recommended things that you should do as a newbie that's just starting in this sport? Uh, hmm. Let's say I'm somebody who only has running shoes, uh, who may or may not have things like an Arc'teryx jacket. Like, you know, we're just, we're just starting out right now. What yeah. would you recommend the first three things to get, are?
1: Well, first of all, I'll correct you. I wouldn't call it a sport. Let's, okay. let's, call, let's call a spade a spade. It's um, it's a gradual walk that gets more intense, almost like a glorified glorified walking. Let's call it. Um, what what you would need? Well, depending on the terrain, if it's decently flat uh, or doesn't have that many roots sticking out of it, just you know, basic running shoes are fine. But if you're gonna be going on rock terrain, kind of like the chief. Uh, where there's a rock face, and then there's potential for, um, uh, for you to slide off, it's important to get hiking shoes or boots that have uh, some grip or some teeth. The easiest analogy uh, I like to use, uh, I'm a car guy, I know you are, uh, it's, sim- it's similar to describing to someone why winter tires are important, why all-terrain tires on Jeeps and trucks are different than you know racing summer tires uh, on a Porsche. They all look like rubber. They all look like they do the same thing, except each one in design has a different function. So uh, the easiest way is summer tires are like dress shoes. Try walking around uh, when there's slush and snow in Vancouver in dress shoes, you're sliding all over the place. Mm. Uh, so getting some deep tread tires, like a truck tire and all-terrain tire, gives it that grip and T that it can sink into and, and get traction where you don't think uh, there is traction. That's what proper hiking shoes would uh, theoretically give you. Um, is those teeth where I could dig down. Uh, And especially in winter conditions, if you uh, want uh, some more attraction, you can buy something called um, crampons. Uh, Crampons, C-R-A-M-P-O-N-F. You can find them on Amazon. uh, And they're basically these little rubber things that wrap around the bottom of your shoe with these metal teeth on the bottom.
0: Oh, I've seen those, yeah. I think they sell them on like the shopping channel too. Sorry, yeah. I keep plugging things on my show even though I'm not sponsored. So we just plug <laughs> Amazon, we just plug yeah, our beers true. and now, now the shopping channel.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, so those those are pretty useful because even if you had running shoes, you could put them on, except at this point, you need to make sure you have something that's good for
0: and waterproof
1: because if you're out where it's snowing or there is ice in a situation where you're going to use it, Uh, you're going to want something that's waterproof. It's also important to keep in mind of the ankle support. So some people who roll their ankles a lot like me, um, you don't want to be stuck in a trail 10 kilometers in with a rolled ankle. So that's where people who get those boots uh, that go a a bit higher to prevent the roll to completely go sideways uh, helps out if you're doing, uh, if you're prone to that. But I Mm. typically just hike in in, um, running, like hiking running shoes. I find them lightweight, easier to haul around. And if you're going to places where you might jump into the water, the last thing you want is a big boot to take on and off. So mm, fair things, things to keep in mind. And then socks, thick socks are good. Um, but I don't know. It's not that hard. Like That's what I meant. That's what I started with. It's not really a sport. Uh, and earlier I mentioned the reason why I got into it is the, the fiscal uh, cost of this activity isn't that great. Once you're starting to, and you know when you're spending four or five dollars on on boots and you know hiking poles and backpacks and Arc'teryx jackets, like man, you might as well buy a mountain bike and go mountain biking. Hiking mm. is supposed to be like easy to get into, uh, and you can slowly progress your way up. But I definitely recommend just getting out in nature. Very most important part is making sure um, you're safe, and the best way to be safe is making sure people know where you are. Uh, if you are going hiking with a spouse, someone in the same household, text somebody. I typically like to text a few coworkers saying, Hey, like I'm going out on this trail. Uh, if you don't hear from me in five hours, like be concerned. Um, so there's, there's a few times I've done that. Actually, I've shared my live, um, geolocation with someone's because if you, if you lose reception and, or you slide and you fall, it, it's some pr- pretty serious stuff. As much as I'm joking around about, you know, how it's not a sport and it's pretty leisurely. Uh, one bad decision, like trying to take a selfie on the end of a, a rocky point, uh, it it could be life-ending. Uh, hmm. And sadly for me, I know of, I know of someone. Actually, you know, JB, like uh, who we used to work with. Um, hmm. his he had a friend that was hiking in Chilliwack, and they they went out together, and then one of them uh, went to go take a photo, stepped back to get the right angle, and fell off the cliff and died. Wow. Yeah, so it, it's it's pretty close to home when you when you think about bad situations uh, that people can get themselves into. Or, or currently right now, you know, there's someone, a 25-year-old lost in uh, Frosty Mountain in Manning Park. They've been searching him for three days. He's an avid hiker, had all the equipment, and uh, the parents were just on the news this morning talking about how they're not too concerned because he's, uh, you know, he, he's an avid hiker. Uh, but my point is... It, you know, even if you're a, a novice or you've been doing it for a long time, mistakes can happen. Just always, always mm. be prepared. And and I don't recommend hiking alone. I I find it,
0: I find it concerning because uh, no one's no one's really there to help you. That so basically, like, would you say not alone in all hikes or just? like something a bit more treacherous. Like if I'm just hiking in a flat terrain around a lake, like Bunsen Lake, for example.
1: Oh yeah. I think you're fine in those situations. Um, mm. Just there's a lot of places where there's no cell reception and being alone with no cell reception. Uh, and, and I'm not referring to like an animal attack. Like right? obviously those are extreme situations and I don't want to get into those, but let's say you roll Drankel, right? You went out for a, a four hour hike on your own. Uh, and there's no no cell reception, and you rolled your ankle, and you're you're hobbling along. The sun starts to set because you know it's four or five o'clock. How are you going to make it back? <laughs> What's your yeah. plan? At least if with your with even if you're with somebody who couldn't carry you out, they could run ahead, get to a point where there's cell reception, and, and or get some help so someone knows where you are. Um, mm-hmm. Those things are important that we take for granted because, like I said, hiking is like glorified walking. You don't you don't go to Seattle and, and walk the city or San Francisco and walk the city and worry about getting stuck. It's more the fact that you're going into the woods um, that you should be cognizant that you should be respectful of nature because it's, it's quiet and secluded for a reason. And for those reasons, uh, it could cause um, you
0: to be an uncomfortable situation if you're not properly prepared. Good advice. Good advice. Um, and then, obviously you've probably seen some of the coolest sites in uh, BC and around the world. Now I want to take this second to plug your Instagram. So we're going to splice it in somewhere here. I've actually learned how to do this now since I first started. So we're going to splice it in. All right. Yeah. Uh, So go check out his Instagram, check out some of the places he's been. Um, He's a very experienced hiker and he's obviously very, very, very aware of being safe. And anybody who's learning how to hike, especially somebody like me who isn't very experienced, I'm definitely going to take your words of advice to heart. So thank you very awesome. much for that.
1: Yeah, I know some cool places I've been to. Uh, the most recent one uh, is in you know, the Rocky Mountains, but I'll, I'll come back to that. The, the most memorable one that I went on uh, was in Switzerland. Uh, oh, wow, there's, nice. a fa- there's a famous mountain there that everyone's aware of. It's called Mont Blanc. Everyone knows of the pens and the belts and the wallets Uh, but there's actually a famous mountain out that way in europe that you can hike Uh, you can actually rock climb up but you can also hike around the entire perimeter Uh, so i did that with my wife last year and you basically fly into geneva um, in switzerland you start there and then there's different routes you can take we took a seven day route and we hiked through france and italy and back through france through switzerland you basically walk around you hike around the whole trail and you did you do about 18 to 20 kilometers a day but you actually hire a um basically like a driver that will take your luggage from one place to the next so at the end of each 20 kilometer hike you end up at like a hotel where they serve you dinner with a hot tub uh and in the day when you're hiking all you have is a day pack with your water and a light jacket and the cool thing is along the 20 kilometer route there's these little mountain huts and in the mountain hunts, you can have a glass of wine, you can have beer, uh, you can have fondue. Looking over the mountains, you'll see the pictures on my Instagram. But it's uh, it's a pretty cool experience. They really know how to how to like enjoy nature uh, out in Europe.
0: We have we have a lot to learn from them. But that's and so how long did the hike take you all together to go around?
1: Um. Well, it took seven days, twenty kilometers a day, so eight about six to eight hours
0: per day. Hmm. Not bad. Yeah, and was it mostly but, flat terrain or was it still some rocky? No, because there, you was are in the mountains? there was a bit of incline. But the cool thing about it is at any moment
1: you want to opt out, you could just hop in the vehicle that's taking your luggage to the next place and and take the ride. And the funny thing is this, this excursion that we did, majority of the people there, the demographic was about people in their 50s and their 60s. Uh, because, <laughs> well, because sadly for me, it's it's rare that, people in their 30s have the one luxury to be away from home for that long because you're usually, you know, bombarded by having children to take care of. Um, or two, you don't have the fiscal capabilities um, to, to, you know, to fly round trip, um, to stay for seven days in, in this, um, you know, out, out in the mountains. So uh, it, so my point is not to talk smack about the older demographic. But the older people were doing this trail, so it wasn't that difficult.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, now you make me feel bad.
1: (laughs) But the nice thing about that trip was there were no predatory animals. Mm. No mountain lions, no bears, no snakes, no scorpions. Uh, And the other place we went to that actually has a similar terrain is New Zealand. We went to New Zealand three years ago uh, and hiked all around the North Island of uh, New Zealand. And the great thing there was there's, yeah, there's no animals so, or no predatory animals. So we could be out um, and not be concerned whatsoever. It's, uh, it was a pretty liberating feeling living mm-hmm. in Vancouver where I get bears in my backyard if I leave the garbage
0: out. Yeah, I've actually seen the pictures of, that you posted online of the bears that come through your backyard. Yeah. All right. Speaking of our backyard, I know that uh, recently you hiked through the Rocky mountains all the way to the Albertan borders. How was That's that true. experience like? Uh, that was pretty cool except the smoke from uh,
1: California had wafted in. Um, uh-huh. So the viewpoints weren't that great. Um, and definitely being outside and doing strenuous exercise, even even as simple as hiking is is not very good when it's, sm- when it's smoky. Um, you're not getting that much oxygen it it's the air is already thin when you're Mm. at a higher elevation so layers smoke in and it's not a good recipe for success so unfortunately we had a bit of that but you know going out to the rocky mountains is something i think everyone needs to do if they live in canada uh seeing banff um and the beautiful viewpoints there are pretty spectacular but aside from that seeing mountains the difference about alberta mountains Versus Vancouver Mountains is Vancouver Mountains have a lot of trees, so you actually don't see the rock face. You just see greenery, which is nice, but it is a whole other experience seeing mountains where they're completely exposed. You can see the gray rock, the the mercury, the 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 um, mineral condensation on these mountains, and they leave this silhouette when the sun sets. Where it just it's spectacular seeing a mountain that's not covered by trees. Um, yeah, I, I highly recommend experiencing did that.
0: Did you for that one? Did you did you camp or did you have to uh, find hotels along the way?
1: Uh, we've done two. Uh, five years ago, we we camped. Uh, we camped with our dog, um, and that was good. Uh, that was quite an experience, and we were lucky that the weather was good for most of the time. But this recent trip, we just we stayed at Airbnbs uh, just mm. because it's more comfortable. Our dog's thirteen now, so she can't do the same hikes that she used to. She's come mm. with us on 20 kilometer hikes. Now now we kind of leave her at home for those. Uh, mm. so that's why we wanted to make sure there was a accommodation that would take her. And
0: how are your knees and joints through all the these years of hiking? They're fine, actually. I think they're probably actually the best example is to use my dog.
1: We took our dog, she's a Shiba Inu. Uh, we took our dog hiking, you know, pretty early in her years. And we took her on really long hikes, like 21 kilometer hikes with 800 meter elevation gains, like these are eight hour hikes, and these are when she was seven, eight, nine, ten years old. She's 13 now, and she went on a 15 kilometer hike with us last month. Uh, and her knees and joints are fine. She can jump on and off the couch. Uh, we have stairs from our patio to the backyard that she has to take, you know, t- three times a day, uh, and her knees and joints are fine. Um, and if in dog in dog years, she's She's in her 70s. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think um, it's a misconception when people say, you know, doing a lot of these activities uh, do detriment to your knees and joints and cartilage. I actually disagree keeping them mobile and moving them and doing exercises where your body's building muscle around allows you to have better joint movement as you age versus, you know, the opposite, which is people think the overwear and tear it's more likely the overwear and tear in people who play intense sports that do a lot of lateral movement, like in tennis or in basketball where you're constantly putting impact after impact. Um, and it's, it's like running. I ran a marathon before and I get a lot of hip pain because of the concrete impact. The Mm. nice thing about hiking is it's soft terrain. People don't realize it makes a big difference walking and running on a forest trail versus on concrete. Your knees take a way worse beating when you're on concrete. Um, and then in hiking, you you take, you can take breaks whenever you want, right? You can sit down and have, you know, have some water, taking a view. When you set out to run 15 K in a training run, you're not taking any breaks. You're pushing your body to its limits. Mm -hmm. When you're hiking, you have the ability to slow down and take a break. So, um,
0: I wouldn't be too concerned about the detriment to the body. So speaking of that, I've actually been recommended by my doctor to stop running now. Because yeah. my hip is basically deteriorated to the point that I can't run more than, say, 10 kilometers without pain.
1: Yeah, so. perfect, perfect example. I've never heard of someone who's hiked so much that they can't hike anymore. <laughs> Tell me one person. When I'm on the trails, I see – it's actually quite inspiring. I see old couples, like 80-year-old couples. You know, They might be going slower than the rest of us, but they, they, they get to the end. We see them at the end point, and it's inspiring. But my point is there's there's people doing that because it's not that strenuous to the body.
0: So then during the whole quarantine period, have were you still hiking out in nature because you know it was away from people or had were you just avoiding people in general and like quarantining at home? Well, it's tough because in Vancouver
1: they implemented uh, this weird system where they issued day passes in order to get access to the trails it was their way of limiting the amount of people going out on these trails which didn't make any sense because you can go to the grocery store and they say they limit the amount of people in there but you never saw a limit they say only you know five people an aisle but no one's actually counting yet in nature on a trail they were limiting how many people were going there even though the distance that you cover is far greater than going to a grocery store but regardless um, it was difficult because if you didn't get the day pass by 7 5 AM, when they opened up at 7 AM, you couldn't go, it'd be sold mm-hmm. out and they were free day passes, but people would just log on and they snag them all. So the, uh, unfortunate part was you'd have to go find trails that nobody knows about. That was the only way we could actually be out because all the ones people know about are the ones that were overpopulated that they were trying to, um, control. So the, the flip side of it was it allowed us to discover these new trails that no one knew about um, that I won't go into. They're on my Instagram if you, if you want to find
0: them. Yeah, we'll put it here know. somewhere. Don't worry. We'll plug it in.
1: Yeah, but they're, uh, they're just the – un... the scary part, though, is because they're not heavily foot-trafficked, there potentially is more wild animals. Uh, but thankfully, I haven't encountered any on any trail. Of all of the thousands of kilometers I've been on trails, I've only encountered a bear twice. Never a cougar, probably because I'm still here.
0: Um, and that's about it. And when you encountered a bear, did you have to use your bear repellent? Or was it more like they were far enough that you could like consciously walk away or move away from them without stirring their attention?
1: Yeah, no, you basically talk, talk calmly and you, you try to back away. Um, slowly or wait for them to move on from the path. Uh, I learned a lot in this most recent trip because we went on trails where we were the first ones on site and the park ranger would tell us that there was a grizzly sighting and someone had saw a grizzly 20 feet away. Uh, but the the most interesting thing that I've learned is bears don't naturally feed on humans. I think there's a misconception out there, and I, I definitely want to tread lightly because I don't. It's a sensitive subject where I live, where people have become too comfortable with bears, where they're feeding them, they're they're teaching their kids that oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's a fine balance where you don't want to be deathly afraid of these animals, but at the same time, you have to have some you know rational thought on the subject. It's kind of like flying. You know, growing up, flying was you know was a scary thing. And, oh, what if the plane crashes? You know, you, you're going to die. It's so terrible. And and anytime I had a relative that was flying, I'd be scared. And then when I started uh, traveling for business, I'll admit to you, Andy, I, I used to be really scared to be on a plane. And I finally mm. got over it. And I got over it because of exposure therapy. I've been on so many flights now where the probability of something happening and the science behind it and the facts, that rational thought has taken over from the fear. So that's the analogy i'm going to try to use with bears because people are fearful of them if a bear attacked you you're unlikely to survive or you're going to live a crappy life cuz you'll probably be dismembered somewhere or your face will be mangled mm-hmm. um, so the important part to know though is bears don't randomly attack humans they don't eat humans even if they're like trying to feast before hibernation they don't want to attack you they eat berries they eat fish they don't even attack other animals they don't eat raccoons or coyotes <laughs> So why do, we, why do we think they're going to attack us humans on a hike and then, you know, peel apart our clothes and just go to town? Like, no, it's, it's very unlikely. Um, so the, the best piece of advice when you're hiking is if the, if you know there's a bear in the area and most of the time there is a sign because people who see a bear most of the time survive it and then they report it and then a ranger will post something on the trails and there was a bear sighting here, but just make noise. Because the second a bear hears you or sees you, they wander off because they don't want to eat you (laughs) Mm -hmm. and they don't want trouble. They're smart enough to know that there's enough berries in the woods for them to eat. You just don't want to, you just don't want to scare a bear. If you came up to one around a corner and it was feeding and you scared it, it would likely attack you out of defense, but they will never attack you out of offense. So that's the important part to be cognizant of. And to mm. your question about bear spray, I haven't had to use bear spray because the only time you're supposed to use bear spray is if a bear is attacking you. It actually only works when they're within five to 10 feet. So, and you have to aim for their nose because think of how big a bear is. You got to hit them right in the nose. In order for the, to hit them right in the nose, they've got to be pretty close to you. So that is a emergency situation thing. So if people are out on the trail and they see a bear, do not use your bear spray because um, majority of the time that I've heard people who fire bear spray, the wind blows it back and it gets you. Now you're lying on the ground in pain. You can't see a screaming, drawing attention to yourself. So hmm. that's uh, definitely something you don't want to do. So, so things just to keep in mind that making noise uh, is important so stomp your feet have conversation which again goes back to why i'm saying don't hike by yourself um, having conversation is enough to to tell a, to deter a bear from wanting to be around um, and the most important part i'll put out there is that if anyone's actually listening to this do not play music on the trail even though i'm saying make noise people seem to think it's okay to get a bluetooth speaker and put it in their backpack and play loud music Please do not do that. If you think you're deterring the bears, there's other ways to deter bears. Just know that the other hikers around you are there to take take in nature. Going back to that send thing we're talking about. The last thing you want to do when you go on a hike, you've dedicated your whole day. You've gathered select friends that you're going to do this with, either to have good conversation or to just disconnect with. Why would I want to be hiking near someone blasting music? If I want to hear music in the middle of my day, I'll I'll go I'll go to a bar or, you know, I'll go to a loud retail store. Please, please don't do that. If you stop at a traffic light and you have your music blasting and your windows are down, I don't know. I don't know what you do, Andy, but I usually turn my music down because um, I don't want to be that person. So please don't be that person on the trail because you won't be welcome. And There's if, actually a
0: there's actually a really long Reddit thread about people who use Bluetooth speakers on, uh, on trails. So you're not alone out there. And I'm pretty sure everybody agrees with that sentiment. Yeah, no, that's good. And hope, and if if
1: I do meet you and I ask you to turn your music down, which I've done before, please don't take offense. I had this one, um, one group that had their music on and I, I won't talk about what type of genre of music it was, but I had asked them to turn down their music. And then later, five minutes later, when they're hiking near me, I went back to them saying, just to be clear, I didn't have a problem with your music. It was just the volume of the music because the genre that they were uh, listening to was um, quite ethnic. And I wanted to make uh, sure they, they didn't think I was a racist.
0: <laughs> Good thing for <laughs> clarification. Yeah. They were probably about to post it on Reddit about this guy who just down on a trail. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to another topic. I, I want to talk to you about cars because I know you're a big car buff and you yeah. recently went from sports cars and gasoline guzzlers to an electric vehicle. So we're going to plug Tesla quickly. I don't oh, know yeah. if Elon Musk will ever sponsor us, but yeah. we're going to talk about Tesla and you've actually convinced a lot of other people to buy Teslas, myself included. I, I'm in that, uh, I'm looking at a Tesla type of group now. So oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So no, tell I me, mean, uh, what's ownership like of a Tesla like so far?
1: It's it's quite good. I'll I'll talk about. I'm in sales, and I think the one uh, the best sales trait that I have, and it's going to be ironic that I say this because I shouldn't be saying it, um, is I'm I I'm genuine. I don't I don't push something I don't believe in, but I will also share. Um, as many drawbacks as there are benefits because it's the best way to make an educated decision on a purchase is to know about the faults um, as well. So the thing about the electric car, one, I'll start with the faults. Range anxiety is a real thing. People take for granted, excuse me, that in a gasoline car, when you run out of fuel, you just go to a gas station. There's gas stations like everywhere. And if you go on a road trip, you know, the roads were built four gas stations and there's signs that actually say no fuel service for another 100 kilometers or 150 kilometers check your tank this does not exist for electric vehicles so if you're going anywhere outside of the city center you have to plan your route
0: that is something that us humans aren't good at we're so, so reliant speaking on of which uh, when you were when you were going on all these hikes were you taking the electric car or were you taking no. your gas Taking a gas vehicle, we have a Jeep, uh, so mm. we take that for the, um, the terrains
1: that we want to drive on, but definitely wouldn't trust a, an electric vehicle, uh, not in 2020, for sure. Uh, there, there isn't enough infrastructure to support it. And to be honest, the range that is advertised is nowhere near the actual range, uh, especially if you're buying an electric vehicle for the reasons I'm going to go into. I buy them for the, the torque and the speed and the funness. You don't get the range that's advertised if you drive the way that I drive. Um, (laughs) So the previous car I had was a C-Class Mercedes. It had an advertised range of, let's say, 500 kilometers. My actual true range was around 420, uh, just because I I think the advertised uh, mileage was 12 liters, no, 10 liters per 100 kilometers, and I would average 12 and a half, maybe 13. Just the way I drive. So let's say 30% worse uh, than the advertised range. In the electric vehicle, my car, uh, Model 3 Performance, is an advertised range of 481 kilometers. I actually just redid the math the other day. I'm really getting about 300, 320 with the way I drive. So in uh, a gas vehicle, I was losing... 80 kilometers out of 500. So you do the math there versus an mm-hmm. electric. I'm losing over a hundred kilometers out of 480 total. Like it's, it's much, much worse. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily for me, it's a second vehicle in our household. I don't take it on road trips and I don't really care about having 300 kilometer range or 500 kilometer range because the ability to charge it is so easy. Um, mm-hmm. So the benefit is if you are one to plug it in every night and charge it, you wake up every day, like your cell phone, your phone's charged, your car is charged. So every day you're on a full tank. So that's not a big deal. But if you're someone that, you know, doesn't want to plug it in all day, um, you know, you're going to have to be always doing math because there's not that many easy charge stations out there. And even Tesla supercharger to charge a full tank will take about 30, 35 minutes. You go to the gas station it takes two minutes. Mm-hmm. So th- there's the big difference, but The benefits are, it is fast, instant torque, and it is addicting. And the best way, and I thought that I would hate the fact that I had no exhaust, because I loved exhaust. I was a guy that would change the air intake, change the exhaust. I loved a throaty exhaust. Um, And you easily trade that up for the luxurious ride of dead silence. It's pretty cool. It's just nothing but you rode in the music um and going back to the zen feeling we were talking about now without having the audio feedback of all that you're just you're just focusing on cruising but if you do want to drive aggressively the best part i find about having an electric car is i don't know if you've driven one but there's something called regenerative braking so when your foot's not on the gas the uh, mechanics of it are slowing itself down because the friction that it's creating is charging the battery mm-hmm. that friction to me, feels like you're always in second gear. So I don't know about you, but my favorite gear when I was driving standard was always second gear. First gear is too short. Second gear is where I felt most of the power, you know, you, 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 you could, you could, you know, pass cars. Um, you can take it off the line if you needed to. But an electric car, it always feels like the car is ready to go. Um, and and there is no gear. So it feels
0: like you're downshifting pretty much when you take your foot off, right? Yeah, uh, of right. I get what you mean. Or it's like yeah. when you... For for people with those more modern cars, it's like you press the sport button on your car. Exactly. Yeah. Huh.
1: Yeah. So the electric cars, it's pretty cool. And uh, Tesla, in terms of software, is uh, heads above the rest. It's you get software updates to your car. Like who 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 thought of that? When I first got my car, um, to where it is now, six months later, the added cool features that I find is if your windows are down and you close the doors and you walk away when you lock the car, it rolls the windows back up on its own. Um, your phone is your key. So you actually don't actually have to lock and unlock. It just goes off the Bluetooth from your phone. Um, when I first got the car, there's just a backup camera. Now the latest update that they've put out, it has cameras on the sides. So now when you're backing into a stall, not only can you see behind you, there's these cameras on the sides that will actually show you the lines. Mm. Uh, so it's even easier to, uh, to parallel park or par- uh, reverse into a parking stall. Um, there's a whole bunch of other features. They've added a new one where, uh, rather than waiting for speed limit signs to get updated, it uses the cameras. The second it sees a speed limit sign, it'll update the system to, t- to let you know what the speed limit is. So it's just a, it's a very smart car. If you like technology, um,
0: it's, uh, it's the perfect piece of technology to add to your household. So I'm looking at getting a Model Y right now. That's kind of where I'm thinking because I want a smaller SUV, something a bit practical, something I could still go into the mountains, maybe not to where you went, but like like Cyprus, for example, or even a trip to Whistler for some snowboarding. Um, So that's kind of where my mindset is on on a Model Y. And also it comes with all-wheel drive, right? When you get Model 3, you got to keep upgrading to get more than the standard range. You want long distance. You also want the all-wheel drive. So that's why I was thinking Model Y is my next vehicle.
1: Yeah, no, I, I like the Model Y. A coworker of mine has a Model Y. Uh, and uh, it's actually way more practical because, because it's a full hatchback versus my car is a trunk. So the full hatch gives you way more cargo space. Um, and the advantage of the Model Y is uh, it also has the full glass pane roof. So it just looks kind of cool for your mm-hmm. uh, rear passengers. Uh, and you still get the, f- the same driving capabilities as a model three. So anyway, without plugging Tesla too much, uh, I, am a big fan and everyone that I know, uh, that has owned a Tesla loves it. And the best part, I'll be honest, is the service. You know why? Why? Cause there is no service. <laughs> <laughs> there's no oil change. There's no transmission fluid. Cause there is no transmission. There's no rear differential fluid. Um, it's, it's a really low maintenance vehicle. And if you do have a problem with the car, I've had my wipers squeak. Uh, You go on the app, you type in your problem, my wipers squeak. Literally, that's what I wrote. And a service technician will come to your house and they will just come and replace them for you. Wow. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's pretty awesome.
1: How long is the warranty? Uh, four years, um, 80,000 clicks, whichever the standard uh, warranty is. Okay, so it's pretty um, similar to
0: the rest of the automakers out
1: there. Yeah, and the biggest concern everyone has getting electric cars is the battery. But what pe- people don't realize is Tesla's got a 10-year battery. So if your battery degrades below 80% of its life, uh, they will replace it for free. Hmm. So anyway, pretty it's, awesome. it's, a, it's a cool car. Um, and there's a good reason why their stock's so high, too. It's just the, the brand loyalty is quite high. Someone smart, of... someone smart once told me, you know you have a strong brand when it polarizes people. Uh, so Apple is a perfect example. Either you love Apple or you hate Apple. There's no one in between. And when you're a brand where you've polarized people like that, you're a success. And mm-hmm. Tesla is that brand in the car industry, right? Cuz if you think about luxury cars, BMW, Mercedes, everyone's got, "Oh, yeah, I kind of like that one." "Oh, yeah, the model D looks better than this one." "I might get that one." "Oh, I might try an Audi this time." T- Tesla is an all or nothing. No other car brand is like that. And that's when you know you've you've come across something huge that uh that you've built something where uh there's enough haters out there where the lovers will offset it. So,
0: mm. Yeah, it's hard to find something else. So that's kind of, that's kind of why we also went into sports cards because it's almost like an investment. Every now and then you pull something that's like really, really expensive. And it's also dependent on how the player does. Like if your player does really well in the playoffs or the regular season, you can start seeing their card value go up. If that's they true. absolutely flop, you see it go down. So it's kind of interesting that like just like Tesla, you can invest in Tesla stock right now. It could be like investing in a rookie player right now. And hoping that they have a great career and your cards yeah. go up. Yeah, yeah. Buying Tesla stock would be like buying a LeBron James card, though. But I, I don't, no, it would be buying know. the LeBron James card in his actual rookie year.
1: No, man. Look at where Tesla stock is now. It's like a high of. I know, high. I know.
0: But like, if we actually had the foresight, we should have just invested in LeBron James his rookie That's year true. and went for it. That's but you true. know, if if he flopped, he could be like those other car companies out there, like. uh uh, what's that one that everyone was talking about recently?
1: Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony graduated the same year as, uh, or got drafted the same year as LeBron James.
0: Yep, and he I'm... would be the equivalent of um, Nikola, the oh, other yeah, electric right. car company. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, uh, like he's funny. not bad, and and there's still potential there, but like, you know, he's probably gonna have a Hall of Fame career, but you know, he ain't LeBron. Yeah, that's true. Uh, speaking of which, so I want to tell you a story, a quick story here. I was talking to this person I just met and I figured she's not even in the top 1% in the world. I'm pretty sure she's like the top 0.1% in wealth because she is so far disconnected from how things work. Okay. So I was just telling her I want to buy a Model Y and she's like, why don't you just buy it now? I'm like, I don't have money. And <laughs> then I'm like, I'm, like, I'm probably going to trade in my car and it'll probably still cost me about 50000 after taxes to pay off the rest of the car to make sure that I don't have any payments. Cause I don't want payments. Right. That's yeah. my key. I don't want to pay anything out of pocket once yeah. I already have it. So she's like, well, 50,000 isn't a lot. I'm like, it is, <laughs> it's quite a lot. It's like, yeah. it's like a year's salary for a lot of people. You know? yeah. So yeah. it's Your a lot of money. She, yeah. The average income, or household income in Vancouver is what 80,000, I think. Yeah. So after taxes is like 60. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's quite a lot of money and there's taxes too. Just dropped my mic. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, so after I talked to her about that, she started telling me like she has she cares about the environment too. So she has a Porsche Panamera Hybrid. So I'm like, okay, that's not bad. That's like a hundred fifty thousand dollar car, maybe brand new. Yeah. And then she told me, um, so this is when I realized she had a huge disconnect because I don't think she even understands what trading a car in means. Oh my cause, gosh. Because she was just like, yeah, I have a weekend car. I'm like, oh, what is it? She's like, oh, I have a Ferrari Four Eighty Eight. I'm like, uh, that's a Ferrari. And she's like, yeah, but it's a cheap Ferrari. And so when I went home that night, I Googled how much it costs in Canadian dollars, starting at $300,000. Wow.
1: Like
0: that is insane. Have you ever met anybody who's that far disconnected from like, you know, people, I I think I'm doing well, but whatever I just talked to her about, I feel like I've done nothing in my life. Yeah. No, I, I, I know people
1: who are disconnected from the value of money, but for different reasons, where they're in so much debt that it doesn't matter. <laughs> not not to the point <laughs> not to the point where they're so wealthy that they don't that they're ignorant to the fact. Interesting.
0: Wow. So so she she's like for me it's like when I open a pack and I find a really good card, she's like the factory that made the packs and she gets to oh, choose yeah. her first cards. So that's basically my analogy oh, for, for her, her in sports. But yeah. All right, man, I know i got to be cognizant of your time, so we're running a bit short here. I do, I do have to say we are a sports channel. We do talk about cards. I want to open a pack of cards with you, cool. and I'm going to give you the choice. we got some baseball, we got some hockey, and we got some football. What's your uh, sport of choice? Let's open some hockey cards. All right, so we've got a t- Upper Deck Series 2 uh, Blaster Pack we probably have time for one quick pack, so let's do that. There's supposed to be seven packs in here, so we'll do one of the seven. I'll let you choose a number between one and seven, and that'll be the pack we pull out. And All if right. we get something awesome, we're going to drink. If we don't pick something awesome, we're going to drink because we're sad. Sweet. All right, number seven it is. All right, seventh pack. All right, so you want seven from, the, from this as the number seven or the bottom one as number seven? Uh, the seven year as the back. So this one here then. All right. Here we go, man. Exciting times. Let's see what how we get here. A, how many cards are in a pack? Uh, there are eight cards per pack. How's your hockey knowledge, by the way? That's uh, not bad. Okay. I'll stop. I'll stop when I find something I want to ask you a question on. Okay. All right. First card is Jacob Truba. Oh, yeah. The Rangers. Next card is Jeff Skinner. Okay. You got a Jonathan Huberdo Okay. <laughs> Thomas Grice. Uh never heard of that goalie. Okay. This guy used to be Montreal's defenseman. Very charismatic individual. Oh. I can't think of the name. All I can think of is Patrick Waugh. There you go. PK Suban
1: too bad
0: yeah you should have that that's a drink i'll drink with you that's probably the best cheers cheers okay i gotta tell you we didn't hit a single insert in here so all these cards are about five cents oh that's nice yeah here's uh brendan smith no brian dumalin okay and kevin shattenkirk okay you have time for one more Another pack of cards? Yeah. Oh, sure. That took 30 seconds. Let's do another one. Usually (laughs) it takes longer because I ask more. I'm going to choose this pack. I just took a random one. So hopefully we get something. I don't want you to feel like you left empty-handed here. P.K. Suban's not bad. Yeah, but it's a base P.K. Subban. You got a John Tavares. Oh, yeah. That's a good card. Phil Kessel. Oh, yeah. That's a good card, too. He's no longer in Toronto. There you go. Riley Smith. Okay. We did get a good card, but it's still not an insert. Here's Anzi Kopitar. Nice. Okay. Captain of the Edmonton Oilers. Oh, what's his name? That kid. The kid, yeah. I'm
1: really bad with picturing names, man. Uh...
0: I've had two years. Connor McDavid. McDavid, that's right. There you go. The icon of Edmonton. Icon of Edmonton. Man, you're, man, we have a lot of Edmonton fans that are friends of ours. They would kill you if they saw this video. Oh, yeah. Good thing I don't live in Edmonton. That's and true. Too bad, and, and too bad they live in Edmonton. That's true, too. <laughs> There's Sean Monahan, Jonas Donskoy. Okay. And our last card is Nick Smolt. So we hit two base packs. So we didn't get a single insert, which is quite unfortunate. But, uh, uh, yeah. you know what? If we had a bit more time, we'll open a few more. But You know what? It's been great having you on the show. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for all the advice, the car talks, everything. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Maybe I'll uh, see you
1: on the trail, not playing music. For sure.
0: For sure. I'll I'll blast my music loud so you know how to find me. How's that? Oh, yeah. With with your headphones. (laughs) No, no, no. No headphones. Just Bluetooth speakers. Loud. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's (laughs) the other thing. Don't wear headphones when you're on the trail. So you're aware of your surroundings, I guess? Yeah. 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 yeah, Yeah, Makes sense. Anyway, cheers, buddy. Cheers. All right. Like, subscribe, leave a comment below, and drink to that, man. Take care. I'll put your Instagram somewhere. Will do. See you, man. Cheers.